So we return this morning to the book of Exodus and we are looking uh, today at chapters 13 and 14. The story so far. God has promised to rescue his special people Israel from slavery in Egypt. And the man chosen to confront the Pharaoh to demonstrate that God is God and will not be ignored, that man is Moses. He's the one who will cooperate with God in this mass exodus, this, this great escape. And it's the people of Israel who will escape, who will be rescued and will experience God's complete salvation. If you were here last week or if you've listened to last week's message on the podcast, you will know that it was based on Exodus 12 and 13 and the story of the Passover. And we called it Flee to Remember. And then we decided afterwards that actually Free to Remember was a better title. Free to Remember. That, that says it all. You'll remember that Aid used this story as a springboard to say this. Just as the people of Israel were to remember all that God had achieved by rescuing them from the oppression of Egypt, by saving them and leading them into freedom, so let us remember. Let us revel in the joy of our salvation. Let's remember the goodness of God to each one of us the many, many ways in which he has blessed us, the ways in which he's revived us and established us in our Christian faith, the ways in which he's poured out his love into our hearts and given us new and abundant life in Jesus Christ. And we've already been celebrating the love of Jesus for each one of us this morning. Aid encouraged us to remember the best times of our Christian faith. Those times when we have known God's presence, when we've known the reality of the love of Jesus in remarkable ways. He encouraged us to remember the identity we have in Christ. The time when we turned or returned to Jesus. When we turned to the love of the Father and knew the Father's embrace to remember, to reignite that flame, to do the things we did at first. And we read from 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, you love him, you love Jesus Christ, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God's universal rescue plan, achieved by Jesus on the cross, was actually foreshadowed by the Exodus. And the inexpressible and glorious joy was the experience of the first believers in Jesus Christ. And this must be our experience too, continually knowing the joy of our salvation through remembrance. And so we will together break bread this morning to remember, to celebrate 
all that God has done by sending his son, Jesus, into this world. Do this, says Jesus, in remembrance of me. But first of all, we're going to look at the Exodus story, and today we finally reached, we got there at last, we've actually reached the actual Exodus, the mass exit from Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea in chapters 13 and 14. God's complete salvation. It's all about God's provision, his presence, his promise, God's protection, his power and his praise. This morning you have no excuse for not knowing the six points of my talk. Okay, they all begin with the letter P. Okay, I won't ask you to, to memorise them but it'll help you to know. That where, where I'm going actually with this talk and to, to realise this is what God's salvation is all about. God's complete salvation. So first of all, God's provision. God's provision for his people is evident throughout this Exodus story. He provides the Passover for his people. Every household was to take a lamb, was to slaughter it, apply the blood to the door frames and lintels of their house and then prepare the lamb and roast the meat. They were to eat this Passover meal prepared for a quick exit. Bags packed, sandals on, ready for the signal to go. Those were God's instructions. And God promised that he would literally pass over and not harm those whose houses were under the sign of the blood. This was his provision, God's provision for his people. And he was also providing a way of celebrating the story of how God's people had been rescued and redeemed. For thousands of years since, when Jewish children ask, what does this Passover meal mean? They are told, this celebrates God's amazing rescue plan. It was the Lord who brought us out of Egypt. This is what the Passover celebrates. We've entitled this talk, God's Complete Salvation, but it could just as easily have been called the Great Escape. It's an extraordinary picture of God's universal rescue plan, his provision for each one of us in the cross. He provides the cross. By dying for us on the cross, Jesus has done all that's required to rescue the entire human race, to deliver us from the slavery of sin and take us into the promised land of his kingdom. This is his provision for the whole world. And God has also provided bread and wine as a way of celebrating all that Jesus has achieved on the cross. As we take bread and as we take wine, we celebrate, we remember all that Jesus has achieved for us. This is his provision for us, for our salvation. As with the Passover, so with the cross. We have to personally appropriate this provision. Do you know, it's not enough to believe that Jesus died on the cross. That is a historic fact, 
And many people understand that. They believe that this took place. It's not enough to believe that Jesus died on the cross for us and our salvation. We have to individually respond. We have to come to the cross. We have to turn from our sin and ask for his forgiveness. To know that I am forgiven, that I am made clean, that I'm set free to receive God's gift of new life, of eternal life through Jesus Christ. That is a personal response and one which we must all make. Only then can you and I fully experience God's complete salvation. Do you know, wouldn't it be amazing this morning to celebrate communion, perhaps today for the very first time as a born-again Christian, as someone who's been rescued and set free? In the cross, God has made full provision for your salvation. Isn't that good news? Isn't that wonderful? Receive his love and say yes to Jesus. God's provision. We're going to read from chapter 13 of Exodus and start at verse 17. Do follow this in your Bibles uh, if you have one. So this is Exodus 13 verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt, armed for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. <coughs> Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. God's presence. God does not simply effect their rescue from Egypt. He is with them constantly on their travels. You read the Exodus story, and it's a wonderful, wonderful story. And you'll see that God never leaves them. Verse 21. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud, and by night in a pillar of fire. What an extraordinary sight that must have been. Thousands of people on the move with all their livestock and in front of them this enormous column of cloud bursting with fire. This was a visible symbol of God's presence by day and night. He was there to instruct them and to guide them. It was, if you like, a, a supernatural sat-nav. Yeah? In one mile, turn right by the Red Sea. Okay, let's look at the map. And here we have it. Okay, now 
that, that direction was really important. It was so important that they, they knew where to go. The most direct route to the Promised Land would have been along the coast, uh, along that north coast, the trade route that ran along the Mediterranean shore. But the Egyptians had built a line of forts along that route, and God knows his people well. He knows that although they are armed for battle, they certainly are not yet ready for a fight. So instead, he leads them into a trackless desert. If the people had any doubt that God was with them, they only had to look at this symbol of his presence. God had appeared to Moses in flames of fire within a bush. That's how he'd revealed himself to Moses. And now God's revelation of his presence and his will was again accompanied by fire. God was going with them. And the route they took, as you can see, led them down through the desert in a, a very roundabout way. But Moses acknowledged God's constant presence at the end of his life. These were his words of encouragement as the people are about to enter the promised land. And this is from Deuteronomy 31. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And those great words of encouragement. They're words of encouragement for us too. Wherever you are in the world, whatever challenge you are facing right now, the Lord is with you. God is present with his people now. He is present with us here. God is with you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And Jesus promises us, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a promise that is. I think we should pray that into us this morning, okay? I think we should, should thank him. Let's, let's together thank him. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you yourself go before me and you will be with me. I thank you that you've promised me that you will never leave me nor forsake me. And I thank you that as a result, I do not need to be afraid. I do not need to be discouraged. Thank you, Father God. Amen. Amen. And why don't we, why don't we personalise those words of Jesus uh, and, and insert our name? Okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to speak out those words. Jesus promises, and surely I am with you, Fraser, always to the very end of the age. Why don't you say that? Except you're not called Fraser, that's my name, okay? You've got a name of your own, and so you will speak out your name this morning as an assurance of the promise of Jesus over your life. Let's go for it. Jesus promises, and surely I am with you, Fraser, always to the very end of the age. And 
amazing. I think I heard about 80 different names simultaneously spoken out. Brilliant. We can personalise these promises of God's word and know that he is present with us. This isn't just academic. This is something that we can experience personally ourselves. The presence of God, the presence of our living Lord Jesus in our daily lives. Not just today, not just on Sundays, but throughout our lives. God's presence. Thirdly, God's promise. Staying with chapter 13, the, the section that I've just read, what's this business with the bones of Joseph? Maybe you wondered what was going on there. Okay. Now, if you're a, a refugee, obviously you, you take as much as possible with you. But why do they take the remains of their ancestor, Joseph? Well, Genesis chapter 50 gives us the answer. Joseph was the reason that the Israelites settled in Egypt originally. And on his deathbed, he reminded his brothers that God had promised to bring them into the land of Canaan. He told them, God will surely come to your aid, and when he keeps his promise, then I want to be reburied in the promised land. What Joseph was doing there was referring to the covenant that had been made with his great-grandfather Abraham. God told Abraham, leave your country and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. God repeated his promise when he assured Joseph's father Jacob, I will go down to Egypt with you and I will surely bring you back again. This was God's promise that he wouldn't just abandon his people in Egypt, but he would bring them back again. And so as Moses and the people carry this box of bones with them, they carry a powerful symbol of God's faithfulness, God's promise to rescue his people, which had been given hundreds of years before. This was now coming true. We too have promises from God. Promises from his word. We've just spoken out a couple of those promises. They are promises that he makes with every one of his children. Every follower of Jesus can claim these promises. Whatever your situation, whatever's happening in your life, you can claim these promises. All God's promises are yes and amen. Hold on to them. Expect them to be realised. He is a faithful God. Some promises are very personal, relating to our calling and our destiny. And as we align ourselves with God's purposes, we will discover his faithfulness. God keeps his promises. I can promise you that. God keeps his promises. God's provision, God's presence, God's promise, and fourthly, God's protection. The Israelites are fast approaching the Red Sea. Uh, I just want to explain this before we read from uh, chapter 14. The Hebrew for the Red Sea is Yam Suf, 
which literally translated means the sea of reeds, the sea of reeds. And what is interesting is that uh, these reeds were found in an enormous lake. We'll look at the map in, in, uh, after we've read this, uh, this chapter. But they were found up near the coast where they, in fact, made their crossing. So they're, they're making a crossing of, li of literally the sea of reeds, a vast waterway, which is totally impassable. Let's read from chapter 14, and we'll read from verse 5. And again, see if you can follow this in your Bible. It's a great story. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hahiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been travelling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. 
Through the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Now let's, uh, let's look at that map again. So there they are, they are approaching this, this huge waterway right up there in the north. Um, it's actually known as Lake Menzale. Uh, and translators subsequently have called it the Red Sea, although it probably should be called the Sea of Reeds. Uh, this waterway down here, um, which uh, has been designated as the Red Sea, is, is a waterway that they walked beside, having crossed through this this vast uh, sea of reeds. Uh, and as they approach the sea of reeds, there is a wilderness all around them and this seemingly impassable sea ahead of them. And suddenly they realise that Pharaoh and his chariots are in hot pursuit. It seems like there is no escape. And not surprisingly, they panic. Now you might say, haven't they just seen these awesome displays of God's power in Egypt? Um, haven't they just been following this pillar of fire, the evidence that God is present with them? So why do they give up the moment they see the Egyptians coming through the desert? Where is their faith? I think actually I might have given up as well, but... Nevertheless, they had seen awesome displays of God's power already, and their faith just evaporated in a panic of doubt and fear. They cry out to God, they blame Moses for his incompetence, it's all his fault. They accuse him of trying to kill them off in the desert. And even though there's a fiery pillar filling the sky above them, they forget about God. The God who has promised to rescue them and go with them and protect them. Here's what one writer says. The people may have been in a panic, but God wasn't. There is no panic button in heaven. 
and what appears to be a dead end is nothing more than an open door for God. God is about to use this almost impossible situation to bring glory to himself and to strengthen the people in their faith. He knows what he's doing. And here are the faith-filled words that Moses speaks. Words that remind them and us of God's presence and protection. Keep clicking, Jeanne. Great, here they are. We're going to speak these words out together. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Are those great words? We put them on our newsletter this week as well. You have no excuse for not learning them by next week. Okay? <laughs> Committing them to memory. Dwelling on them. Taking them on board. What great words of assurance. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You can put your name in there if you like. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you, Barry. <laughs> These are words that we must all take to heart. God's promise to rescue and protect us. God's promise to fight for us. God's promise of victory. Of course, we, we all experience fear at times. We, we hear news, we hear... We face situations daily that give us cause to fear, to worry, that make us fearful. So how do we deal with our fears? Perhaps you're feeling fearful at the moment. Here's a psalm, Psalm 56, where David confronts his fear with faith. David says this, When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. David certainly acknowledging his fear but he's consciously choosing to trust God. Moses certainly recognised the imminent danger, but he also recognised the presence of God and trusted God to rescue and protect him and the people. The battle is the Lord's. God's word assures us that salvation belongs to our God. Yes, Salvation belongs to our God. Our God will never let us go. We are promised in his word that no one can snatch us out of his hand. That is the promise of Jesus. No one can snatch you out of his hand. That is protection. Yes. And then... There's God's power. 
what power this is. As Pharaoh's chariot army thunders towards the trapped Israelites, God intervenes, literally. The fiery pillar comes between the Egyptians and the Israelites, shrouding Pharaoh's army in darkness, but lighting the scene for God's people. God reminds Moses of the resources that he's carrying. He tells him to raise his staff and stretch out his hand over the sea. The winds rush in, the waters rise up, and a path opens up through the sea. And the people discover that the seabed is completely dry, and they cross to the far side. As the pillar of darkness lifts, the Egyptian army see what's happened, and they race into this seabed, only to find their chariot wheels getting stuck. They suddenly realise how vulnerable they are, and they shout out, let's turn back, the Lord is fighting against us. But it's too late, and as Moses stretches out his hand over the sea, the walls of water collapse over the chariots and the horsemen, and none of them survives. And the outcome, verse 31, when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Remember, just hours before, the people had been doubting the Lord and bad-mouthing Moses, his servant. Now they are fearing the Lord, putting their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. The footnotes to this verse 31 in my Bible talks about faith in God's mighty power and confidence in Moses' leadership. As an aside, do we always have faith in God's mighty power and express our confidence in the leadership of the man God has called to lead this church? That's, that's a rhetorical question. I'm not requiring an answer. But I would encourage you to, to pray about that and to pray for aid as he leads this church. Amen. It was a formidable task for Moses to lead the people uh, out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. It is no easy task for aid to lead Totnes United Free Church. Okay? You're not an easy bunch to lead some of the time. Let's face it. But I believe in, in aid we have someone who is uniquely gifted in his leadership gifts and called Amen. by God and anointed by God for that leadership Amen. role. Amen. And so let's put our confidence, let's express our confidence in that leadership and put our faith in God's mighty power. Back to God's power, as new covenant people we know that Jesus has won the victory 
over sin and death and hell. The battle may still continue, but the final victory is assured. And we can have complete confidence in what Paul call, calls God's eternal power. This all-surpassing power. God's incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's Ephesians 1 and verse 19. We can have complete confidence in God's eternal power, God's all-surpassing power. Finally, God's praise. Later that day, Moses and Miriam write a song celebrating God's victory over Pharaoh, and all the people praise God. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. These are the opening words of the next chapter. God's complete salvation. He has become my salvation. I wonder if that's your testimony as well. Let us praise our God. Let's give him all the glory. Why don't we stand and we're going to praise God together. We're going to prepare to celebrate communion. We're going to pray together. I'm going to ask the band to set up as they lead us in just one song before we uh, break bread together. And let's praise the name of Jesus together. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you. We praise the name of Jesus. We praise our God for his provision, his presence, his promise, his protection, and his power. We praise you, Father God. We praise you, Jesus, for all that you have achieved by your victory on the cross. We worship you and we praise you. We thank you for all that you have done. We acknowledge your greatness and your goodness. Before we sing, I just want to read some words from Psalm 103. Psalm 103 describes prophetically all the benefits that Jesus has achieved by his death on the cross. Listen to these words. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love and compassion, and satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. 
The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Read that psalm, Psalm 103, and we discover that God forgives, he heals, redeems, satisfies, he is compassionate and gracious, he is slow to anger, he's abounding in love. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. We have so much to praise God for for forgiveness, for healing, for salvation, for wholeness, for the provision of good things, for love and joy. All these have been given to us. They were paid for by Jesus on the cross. Receive these benefits today. At the cross I bow the knee where your blood was shed for me. Let's praise and worship our living Lord Jesus.